What makes a request distinct from a demand is that in a request, there is plenty of space to say no, to decline. If there's no room to decline, it's not a request, it's a demand. If there's often confusion around the things you ask for, or the people on your team often miss their commitments or deliver something that misses the mark, then this conversation is for you. Hello, my friends. My name is Chad, and this is the Naked Leadership Podcast, high-stakes conversation for relentless company founders. My co-hosts and I have over six decades of combined experience in leadership coaching, and this podcast is where we explore it all. There is no conversation too risky. This week, Dan, Adrian, and I sit down to talk about making powerful requests. As a founder and a leader in any organization, you are making a million requests a day. How effective are those requests? This conversation is all about slowing down to examine how we make requests and how they are producing the results that we either do or do not want. I think the key element to this might be a surprise to you. Let's dive in. Dan, Adrian, gentlemen, it's so good to be with you. Uh, It's good to be be with you guys. So grateful to dive into this conversation. You know, we did a we did an episode a couple of weeks ago about renegotiating your commitments, and this episode and the next episode that we're going to do came out of requests from others based on that. So people, listeners, listen to that episode and then sent us requests and questions as kind of follow ups to that conversation. So these topics, uh, I'm excited to dive into, especially because they've been requested by other people. So, and I think they're going to have, we're going to have some fun with them. So um, the the first one this week that I want to, in this conversation, I want to talk about the idea of making powerful requests. There is a tendency for people to put ideas out there and believe that they made a request. Like, wouldn't it be nice if we did this? Or I was hoping somebody would do this or something like that, some, something general. And then they think they have a mutual agreement with the other person on the other end of that, that something's actually going to be done or that there's clarity and understanding of what the request is. And then, you know, only to find out time, uh, some time later that there wasn't understanding or there wasn't commitment or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. So that's really what I want to talk about is what makes a powerful request? How do, you know, what are the principles that draw um, a response from somebody that looks like a commitment? So as you think about this, you know, what are some of, I'd love to start with some of the pitfalls, some of the mistakes that people make uh, that you notice, both in clients, leaders, yourself, uh, what are what are some of the the pitfalls or the mistakes that we make when we're we think we're making a request and maybe we're just proposing a good idea? Well, can I go first? Please go ahead. Just making a request. I'm granting. I'm, there I'm it granting. Is. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> Sounds like you got funny. commitment. Being funny over here. Yeah. So, and maybe even before that, I'm thinking about. You know, and this kind of ties in to some of these conversations. It's just if, if, you, if somebody's listening to this for the first time, there's a presupposition, at least that I, I come here from. So if you don't want to make requests, you naturally don't want to if you're not committed to anything. So if you're committed to some kind of future, there's two different things to do on the back end of that. 
of I'm committed to this. This is what I'm committed to seeing happen, having happened with me, with my team. This is what I'm committed to. All you've got is your own declaration, your own promise that you make, and you've got the requests that you can make. That's it. That's the beginning, right? That's the next step is to take linguistic acts, we call them. I'm going to take a linguistic act, and that always happens before any other physical action. It always happens in our language first, language like a thought, language like a conversation in my head, language that comes out of my mouth. I'm taking a linguistic act. So what are the pitfalls, I think, was your question? Like, what do people do instead? Yeah. Well, and even before we go there, I love where you started. Can I just push, like double click into something there? So you you said you don't want to make requests if you aren't committed to something. And and I think that's really interesting. And the evidence that I see around that or or how I see that play out a lot for myself and people around me is that if I make a specific request that is going to invite a specific commitment to something, that then makes me accountable or or I'm going to be accountable to that commitment just as much as the person that I requested something from. So it's even like the lights going off for me right now in the moment of, oh, might you be avoiding commitment if you're unwilling to make a request because you realize that that type of relationship has risk in it. It has you know, it it calls you into being accountable for the request you're making or following up on the, the, you know, whatever, however. And so I'm just now putting that together. Not now I've, I've obviously, I've put that together before, but I think that's so great to just like push in on that a little bit of like, why, what drives us to not make powerful requests and this avoidance of commitment or accountability could be one of those. Yeah. Yeah. uh... Yeah. Along the lines of what Adrian said, I just wrote down, when you ask the question, uh, making a powerful request is a symptom of one's aim, what one's shooting at. Like when Adrian says the background of commitment or context of commitment, if I'm aimed at not getting involved, if I'm aimed at reducing liability, reducing exposure, I'm going to probably be, I'm going to be much more ambiguous in my, the nature of my request. So it's like you can tell somebody, oh, make powerful requests, be specific, make sure they're time bound with connected to an outcome and all that. But that that all occurs to somebody who is aiming at something that's worthwhile and they're committed to having that turn out. Then the nature of their requests are going to be distinct from those who are trying to who are caught up in trying to preserve themselves or save a little bit. The more of me I'm trying to save, the less power in my request. Mm. So I've got another point, but to get to yours first, Chad, is, yeah, there's a vulnerability. If I, if I make a request strongly, it's actually usually, it generates tension in the relationship. It generates tension because you're about to, you're naturally, if you're clear about something, and I'm thinking through, actually, there's like lots of like micromanagement types of requests, like sending people out on assignments that I can be using to avoid, you know, my own commitment. Um, and usually that, that gets backlash from people naturally because you've paid them good money to make great decisions and take great action. But if I'm going to make a really solid request of someone and give the right proper context around it and make it make sense and aligned with the, there, there's some vulnerability there and some tension that most people don't want to step into. To your point, like if I'm making a solid request, um, I actually, I'm, it's a signal. It's a sick, like to Dan's point, it's a symptom that I mean it. 
that it matters. And it's easier to not make a request and not make something specific because it, it justifies the complacency that I have as I relate to my confusion. That's a lot of words. And it justifies <laughs> the complacency I have in my relationship to my lack of clarity of my vision, right? So if I'm not clear and I'm paid to be clear, if I'm running a company, there's an expectation that I'm clear about where we're going. And if I don't make clear requests, it keeps up a system of behavior that doesn't perform, which actually protects my lack of clarity. And if I were to you know, make a clear request, then it actually reveals how clear or unclear I am. So part of it is that's a really maybe odd way of getting to it. But anyway, there's a dynamic there of why people don't go get clear about what requests they're making. Um, another thing that just came to mind part of, after some coaching calls I just got off this morning, a lot of people, what do they do instead of make clear requests? They act polite, but they'll call it professional. I want to go have a, this conversation I just got out of. They want to go have a very, well, what's needed is a very robust stopping of the presses type conversation. And I am not expecting him to go have it. Why? Because he said he wanted to go have it professionally, which is his own back door. Now, of course, I think being professional is a good idea. I think being diplomatic is a great idea. But sometimes the moment doesn't call for those things. The moment actually calls for me being less nice and more real. And people won't relate to that as he, oh, this person just said that and he's a really nice guy. I have to give up the nice guy in order to deal with reality and that I'm paid a lot of money to deal with. So anyway, some people will, in the sake of like being nice or even being a, I don't know, we could even romanticize it, being a servant leader or empowering, empowering others. And I'm not a micromanager and I give them a lot of room and blah, blah, blah. And all the stories we've got about how I don't want to manage people and I pay them a lot of money so I don't manage them. Anyway, all that, which is usually a justification for not being that involved, especially when the ship's going down, we can use that as a way to avoid. That's a lot, one, one thing that people do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it also came like to, to mind for me of like, we, I don't make requests in my life in, in, in certain relationships because I don't want to see the answer. <laughs> right. That's what I wrote down. I, you don't want to hear no. Or I don't want to hear no. What I want to hear is yes. So I position my, re I position the way I make the request, how I form the request to either it's ambiguous enough where somebody can, they won't, I don't have to hear no and they can look like they're saying yes. And then I can, and then I can hold them in my mind. I, I build an expectation because I think they're coming and it doesn't work. Then I think it's about them. I don't first check in to how did I make the request? What was the context of the request? What were the specific you know, conditions of fulfillment? What was the timeline? Why did I make the request? Did they accept? How do I know they accepted? <laughs> like those are all worthwhile questions to think about. Oftentimes we'll get, you know, we'll start talking about something. And because we talked a lot about it and well about it, and we got distinct we think something's gotten done, but until the request is made to fulfill what we talked about, nothing's on the way to getting done, even though you you're clearer and you feel great about it, unless you, as Adrian said, are willing to get vulnerable and say, okay, who's going to do what? It's probably going to be slow moving, flaccid, frustrating, apathetic, you name it. 
The only constant in an organization like yours is change. I want to take just a second to tell you about The Change Imperative, an ebook written by our very own Dan Takini. Let me ask you, how do you personally relate to change in your business? Does it feel like a threat at times? Does it ever feel like you can't keep up with it or it never happens fast enough? Are there certain players on your team that resist change and keep your company stuck? Growth, change, and transition, these intersections often come with confusion, frustration, and resistance. You can flip those experiences into clarity, confidence, and alignment with the Change Imperative eBook. The Change Imperative is instructions for innovating with your team. Go ahead and click on the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Change Imperative now and feel confident about creating the change in your company necessary to take it to the next level. It's wild how talking about something can give us the feeling that we've accomplished something. <laughs> so Adrian, you were, you were illuminating a paradox that we work with in the Harrison, which I think is just a great spot to kind of draw that out and talk about it for a second. You know, you talked about being professional or you also interchanged that with diplomatic. And in the Harrison assessment, the assessment that we use with teams to really find out where people are at, what makes them tick, what makes them uh, enjoy the work that they do or, or how they enjoy the work that they do and how that all works together as a team. It's really cool. We can do a whole team map or, uh, you know, a, a, a culture map based on these uh, 12 paradoxes. One of them is a paradox of diplo diplomacy and frank, right? So we make up, especially a lot of times we can make up when we're making requests that it needs to be nice, it needs to be diplomatic, it needs to be professional, and that it's an either or choice, right? Either we're diplomatic or we're frank. And the whole point of the Harrison, the whole point of mapping on these paradoxes is to to illustrate that we can be strong in both and in fact when we are that's a that's a true strength is when we can both bring diplomacy diplomacy being concerned for the other per person's feelings and frankness being clear and direct when we can employ both of those that's a true strength so I i'd love to hear some of that thoughts around that well mood is a big deal and so the mood in which a request invitation is made has a lot to do with its attractiveness biologically. So rather than nice, I like inviting. And inviting can be challenging. It can be direct. It can be distinct, right? It can be all those things. It can be very inviting. The idea is to connect. What I think about is connecting my, my mood with what's going to produce the kind of emotional state that's going to be, at, you know, conducive to action. So, so I think it pays off to look into the context in which you're inviting, and make the invitation. Then, if there's some hesitancy, then it's worth doing some inquiry into finding out what the resistance may be about, because people resist what they think is wrong, bad, or broken, or they think may in some way be too much or going to make them not going to fulfill what they want. Those you find those things out when you. Notice the mood in how somebody's receiving the request. And a lot of times, like you said, I don't want to hear the answer. So if I hear, 
if 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 the mood is they might be saying yes but or unless and until right like yes unless and until and unless and until or but normally or quite frequently show up in the mood of the response to the inquiry they're not may they may not be explicitly made so if i hear some hesitancy in the mood of the response, I might ask, well, is there anything here I'm not seeing? Is there something you need to know? What might keep you from this promise? There's a number of different ways to address that. But normally, if I don't want to hear the response, if I'm so invested in the yes, all that gets ignored. I take it for granted. I'm just happy to hear the word yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's really easy. It can be really easy to ignore the hesitancy on the other side when you hear what you want to hear. Well, and I think to your question as well, Chad, most, well, a couple of points. First off, to, to your point, Dan, if I'm not making clear requests of somebody, it's an indication on the relationship that we have. That's what I would say. So if, I, if it's not a relationship where I can make a clear request, no matter what way I make it, and it can't be heard, then it just tells me what's not there in the relationship. There's not trust there. There's not believe there's not alignment there there's there are mixed agendas there there's like lots that's not there's a lot that's not being said a lot that's not being questioned you know so anyway if i'm not making requests usually it's it's a it's an indicator for me that there's something missing and usually that's and that's usually the core issue that's why for us you know all results come out of an interpersonal dynamic right so that's why our work with teams is really around this what some people call softer skills, but they're vital competencies because they generate life or they reveal death. One of those two. And both those are helpful. And, you know, if something's not working, that's the death part of it. I'm, I'm being dramatic, but if something's not working, that's the death in the relationship. There's something not alive, right? So there's something dead there and there, that's going to come out one way or the other. It's going to come out now or with penalties and interest 18 months from now, which one do you want? How much do you want to pay is usually the question. So, it shows the relationship, number one. Number two, because people would rather not deal with the core issues, like the relationship, usually they evade for a long time, right? They'll try being nice for a long time, maybe hinting at something for a long time, maybe suggesting something for a long time, or say, if I were in your shoes, I would, and like, <laughs> yeah. like, like fake it mentoring. Nice. It would really be nice if. Man, it'd be great. Man, sometime down the road, I don't know, sometime down the road, it'd be cool if we could, you know, like something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd like to go out. I mean, I'd like to go out with you guys go fishing. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, be, man, let's, yeah, let's talk great. about that. That's we cool. Do that you sometime. know, let's get something in the books for 23. Like, that'd be great That's to great. do next Friday, wouldn't it? Mm, oh, maybe. Sure. Maybe. Okay, yeah, good. Sounds great. good. That sounds good. Let's <laughs> talk about it tomorrow. I can't wait. Let's talk about it tomorrow. All right. Let's well, circle you know, back. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. Let's put a pin in that. That's what people say. Let's put a pin in that and come back to that later. <laughs> so you don't want to so, go. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of people evade for so long that they actually give up being both being both diplomatic and forthright and be, are being frank, right? They give up the potential for the balance and the dynamic. So they evade for so long. Evasion is is when I'm diplomatic without being frank, without being forthright to the point that it justifies them flipping out and being blunt, right? So then they bring, to Dan's point, they bring the request in such a blunt way that now the conversation is actually about how you brought it and the mood by which you brought it. And you, you actually sacrifice the vision 
because now it's a personality clash. Now I can't believe he talked to me that way. Now, you know, it's all this, right? So we evade for and set the whole relationship up where I evade forever and then get really blunt. And I give up the power of speaking both with love and concern and commitment to the future. Not to mention it's a time waster. So if let's you mention find, it, let's if mention I'm it. Big, yeah. if I'm, <laughs> it's a time waster. If I'm evading, Adrian's playful today, I love it. Sorry, Dan. You know what? I've, I've got off five do. coaching calls in a row. I'm ready, guys. <laughs> so time waster is just like, hey, let, yeah, I'm going to make this vague request, and I'm going to think you're coming. Then I'm going to find you're not coming. Then I have to come back and it creates more work. It's wasting the time that we do spend together. We're not clear coming out of it. Later on, I've got to correct and catch up to um, the work that I say I don't really want to do. And then I, I'm overwhelmed. Why am I overwhelmed in my life? Because I'm unwilling to get clear and vulnerable about what's wanted and needed. I don't want to hear the no, which would tell me that, okay, good, next, I'll move on to the next possibility. Like there's all kinds of ways we we bog ourselves down, not to mention if it does reveal something in the relationship and I don't have the conversation, then I'm probably going to carry that tension with me. And so that's going to make me tired because that's a form of resistance. So if I'm tired and overworked and there, this might have something to do with the power in my request, because the power of the request reveals the nature of the relationship, which can help me understand better who I'm connected or standing with, connected to, standing with, and what they're aligned with and whether we're aligned with the same thing or not. So it's, it's just a, it streamlines and relieves the tension, creates more margin in the relationship to make, to be clear about what I want, what I'm aiming at, to ask specifically for what I need. And that will help me discover who's aligned and going in that direction and who's not and what's wanted and needed to, you know, to reconcile the relationship so that both of our expectations are clearly aligned and set. It's really, you think about it, Adrian talked about the soft skill. You can, it's, 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 it's soft because you can't see it, but what you do see is the result of it. So, so you can say the result is hard, but what produced it, is more substantial than the result. Because you can go tell somebody, ask these questions, and if they're aiming at self-protection, those questions will not occur to them. I love that. I love this is where we are in this conversation because I think, you know, so many people, and admittedly even uh, mapping out this topic, I had an idea of like, oh, we'll go through the mechanics of a powerful request, which is helpful. And Dan, you've, you've brushed through them a couple times already just in passing and that's all right. But the mood really is the, the, the come from the being behind the request is what's going to create the action. It's going to create the, whatever comes after the request. I was just on a call coaching call, um, right before getting on this, this conversation with a client who is working with a difficult uh, one of his difficult clients in the creative process. And, um, and you know, they, for, they have four projects in one that they're working on. And the first two were really aligned. And there was a lot of, uh, a lot of feedback going back and forth. There was a generous communication. 
they, you know, they were very happy with the product. He was happy with working with them. And then at some point it took a turn where the communication dropped off the, you know, the, the commitment, he started getting very cryptic emails from the client about their time and how they can't spend this much time on it and all of that kind of stuff. And then, you know, my invitation to him was, well, tell me about how you've checked in with where they're at and relating to you and the project. Like, have you requested to understand where they're at now? Because obviously something has changed. And if, and he, you know, his, his thing was, well, can I do that? That's what he asked me. Can I do that? Like it, like the, in his question, I heard, is it my place to like ask him about his time and how he's managing it and where the project falls? And I said, look, man, it's all about how you come at it. If you're coming from it of let me set you straight or tell you what you should be doing here or what, you know, what you're not doing for me. But if you come at it with curiosity and care for him the project that you guys said you're doing together and the meaning of it and the future of that, and you really want to know and invest in him, you'll know how to ask the question. Well, and you bring up a very, <clears throat> what I think is a very a big element of request. One of the key, what makes a request distinct from a demand is that in a request, there is plenty of space to say no, to decline. If there's no room to decline, it's not a request, it's a demand. I was thinking about our meeting the other day, Adrian, when we met with that client talking about very high profile client wants to make a shift in the organization, is frustrated with their ability to build leaders under leaders, like to build up and to scale the team. And I noticed in her communication that there's a lot of demand disguised like request, like like and there's a lot of knowing this, you know, and then the curiosity is around proving what one knows. Like if I know you, then I'm going to prove it. Well, if I, if I, if there's no possibility for me for you to say no in my request, you're going to get that, and you're going to say yes, and then you may not deliver afterwards. Like, like yes, I'm willing to build managers under me, and then don't do it because. It, it, there's no room to say no and explore why I'm afraid or why I don't want to accept that request or why I want to counter the request. There's no possibility to learn. And the person, if the person knows that, well, they're going to take what they have and what they're wrestling with and put it under the table where it's going to undermine that aspect of the relationship. It, it won't be a powerful request. Mm. Yeah. So, um, this has been fantastic. There's so much unveiled here and I'm looking forward to the next conversation in the working title I have for it now is like checking for commitment, right? So once we've made the request, how do we check in with others to see if there's commitment on their end and to stay tuned into the commitment that they, that they are. So, uh, you know, that's the other side of this conversation. So I'm excited for that. Thanks so much, gentlemen, for bringing it today. And uh, we'll talk soon. Well, my friends, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. As a heads up, every Friday we post a Cliff Notes version of that week's conversation with all the highlights in under five minutes. Check that out for a quick and powerful reminder of the principles discussed. I hope this conversation has been valuable to you. If it has, the greatest compliment you could pay us 
is sharing it with somebody who could use it. Thanks so much for listening. And until next week, bye-bye everybody. 